0: Welcome to the Focus & Chill podcast, where we discuss productivity tactics that work for neurodiverse individuals.
1: Every episode, we interview guests with lived experience of neurodiversity, who also have a solid productivity and habit game, and pass the learnings on to you, our wise and benevolent audience.
0: We're your hosts, Jeremy and Joey.
1: I'm Joey, and I coach creatives to get moving on their most ambitious projects through the power of solid habits and strong focus. I'm also a perpetual student of psychology and perpetually on a quest to a one-armed
0: And I'm Jeremy, a NeuroSpicy software developer turned startup founder, building the Focus Bear app to help people with ADHD and autism thrive at work. My cool party trick is leaving parties early so I can get to sleep in time for my 2 hour long morning routine. The Focus & Chill Podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though, you'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number 38 of the Focus and Chill podcast. Our guest today is Jesse J. Anderson. Jesse is a writer, speaker, coach, ADHD advocate, and maker of things. Diagnosed at 36, Jesse writes about his insights and experiences living with ADHD in the weekly newsletter Extra Focus helping over 60,000 readers navigate their own ADHD journeys or better understand their loved ones. He's known for his humorous, relatable, and insightful posts about ADHD under the handle ADHD Jesse, and has been featured in publications, including Today and Half Post. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. And I'm one of those 60,000 readers. I really enjoy your newsletter and really have enjoyed reading your book too, which we're going to touch on as part of this. But let's begin by talking about your own journey of being diagnosed at 36. What was it like before that and what has the diagnosis
2: meant for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I mean, I've always kind of known, I think, that my brain is different. Uh, like growing up, there's lots of things that came up that just felt weird or uh, different than other people around me. Um, although funnily enough, like there were a lot of things that I thought were like family quirks because my dad and my brother were similar, um, and, you know, cut to the chase on that. Like they also have ADHD, which we found out later. So a lot of those similarities were because of ADHD. Uh, but yeah, back in school, like for me, one of the things that was most obvious, especially by the time I got to like junior high and high school was I, I was really good at learning and I enjoyed learning and I was really good at tests. So like other kids that I knew, you know, hated when it was time to do a quiz or a test. And for me, for whatever reason, like those were easy. Like I aced pretty much every test I ever took in junior high and high school. And it was just like, I was, I was learning this stuff and I like, it worked really well and I was enjoying it and I would ace every test and it was awesome, which would make you think maybe that I was like some like, you know, grade a student and got amazing grades. But no, I got terrible grades because the flip side of that coin was that I could not get myself to do any homework, like homework felt completely impossible for me. It was like there was something about it that was just so it was so boring that even though I knew it was important, like I knew like that it was worth like, I don't know, 40 percent of my grade or whatever, because the teachers would tell you, tell you that I still just couldn't get myself to do it. And so I ended up with like, I mean. When I, when I started uh junior high, which, uh, in the States, that's like seventh, eighth and ninth grade. And so when I started in seventh grade, I actually had taken a placement test so that they put me in the eighth grade math class. So I was like in the, you know, a grade ahead for my math class, uh, which was great, I learned a whole bunch and I aced every test, but I didn't do like any homework. I just didn't like, I don't think I did a single piece of homework because it just felt so, uh one pointless because i was like i already know the stuff but two i just could like the motivation muscle in my brain just would not fire so i would just stare at a blank sheet for like an hour and not get anything done at all so i was in that advanced class and it was awesome but i didn't do any homework so i got a d and with the D, you weren't allowed to progress to the next class. So in eighth grade, I took the exact same math class again and had the exact same problem. I didn't do any homework, aced every test. I ended up with a D. And so I took that same math class for three years because again in ninth grade, I still had to take that eighth grade math class. Oh. So that's just like that's just like one example of where I was like, something's different about me. And I don't know what it is. Um, that motivation really being a big part of it. Cut forward. I I jumped around uh, jobs a lot once I got out of high school. I would just I get really excited about a new job. I was think think this is going to be the one. This is going to be amazing. I love this aspect of it or that aspect of it. And a few months later, I found myself incredibly bored again. And like it's I think when you don't have ADHD, it's hard to really communicate or express how that boredom can be a driving such a driving force because it's not like it's not like oh I just don't really enjoy this. It's like I cannot bring myself to do it because it's boring. That like that boredom is almost like pain. It's like, like trying to do something is boring. That is boring can feel painful. And so, because of that, I jumped jobs around a lot. I probably had like 30 jobs by the time I was in my mid thirties. I just like was jumping around all the time and I would find a couple that stick, or I would find like an industry that I would stick in. So like early on, uh, I was a pizza delivery driver, which. Is an amazing job in your twenties, or at least it was when I was in my twenties, because I basically just got to drive around and listen to music all the time, um, and I always had spending cash because of tips. Um, but so I would do that for a while. But I worked at like seven different pizza places because I kept like a get bored at this one, or I'd like have a conflict with my manager, and rather than deal with the conflict, I was just like, I'm out of here, I'm I'm gone, and jumping in the next job. Um, and then I did end up finding a better career path. Uh, in the world of like design and development, which is what my full-time job is being a front-end designer slash developer right now. Um, And so my current full-time job I've been at for like nine years. And so that's like a kind of a complete turnaround from everything (laughs) basically leading up to it. But anyway, so at some point um, about six years ago, uh, a friend of mine, he got diagnosed with ADHD. He was my best friend all through school. So he was like the one guy... That that I could relate with because he did all the same things all through school. Um, So when he got diagnosed, his wife and my wife were like really good friends, and they were talking about it. And then my wife comes to me, and she knows that she's like, she knows she can't tell me like I think you have ADHD because then I'm going to like rebel and not want to look into it or whatever. So she just sort of like drops little hints like, oh, she was talking about this and that sounds kind of interesting. Maybe you want to look into it. And at the time, I. I think i think a lot of people think they know what adhd is like it has this really bad pr problem because everyone's heard of adhd and everyone kind of has an idea of what they think it is and that idea for most people is probably way wrong um or at least mine was so i when she kind of mentioned it i remember saying like thinking and saying at the time like there's no way that i can have adhd because i have no problem focusing on things when they're interesting to me which if you know ADHD, like that is a big part of it. Like things that are interesting. I have no, like I can hyper-focus on that thing for hours and hours and hours. But when it's boring, that's when it becomes like literally impossible to uh, focus on it. So that was sort of the spark of the journey, her mentioning that. And then I was like, all right, but I'll look into it a little bit. And then I read about hyper-focus and then I met up with my buddy and kind of talked to him about it. And that like learning about hyper-focus that whole like, really intently focusing like intensely focusing on something that is interesting to you to the point where you don't even like you don't know time is passing you don't realize that you haven't eaten or drinking or had anything to drink for hours you haven't gone to the bathroom like you you are so focused on this thing that's interesting to you that everything else is just like faded away and so as my buddy described that to me as a as hyper focus this thing that's common with adhd that was when I was like, oh no, <laughs> I think I might have this thing. That definitely resonates. And then I went kind of fell down the rabbit hole looking up all the different symptoms. I remember an early one which isn't strictly ADHD, but I remember seeing uh somebody posted somewhere and said that like a lot of people with ADHD uh have sensory issues. In particular, this one mentioned like tags in their t-shirts. And that was like another one of those light bulb moments for me because I have always the the like the t-shirt tag has always driven me crazy. I rip them out of every shirt I get uh, because it just like boggle. It, it just like drives me bonkers. And so that's not like a, the people, not everyone with ADHD has that, but sensory issues in general like that are very common. I know other people will have it with like socks, like w- socks that, like the seam in the sock, if it's not lined perfectly in the toe, like it'll drive them crazy where they just can't wear socks uh, or things like that. And so, yeah, that was, that was kind of the start of me, like finding out like, okay, this is definitely, the more I read, the more it's just like, it's just preaching my life. Like this says all the things that have plagued me forever. And that's, that's what got me started getting my uh, diagnosis.
0: Hmm. I imagine six years ago, there probably wasn't as much useful content back then.
2: It was probably more medical and more focused on kids. Was it? Yeah, there was definitely that kind of struggle when I was trying to look into it. A lot of the the information was for kids. It was very like I was trying to find uh, like my first goal was like, I want to get diagnosed for reals. I want somebody who knows what they're doing to say, yes, you have this. This is your official diagnosis. And that was really hard to find. I talked to my doctor and it pretty, pretty quickly became clear like, oh, this guy doesn't know anything about ADHD. I know way more about him just from like, I don't know, reading Reddit or whatever for a few hours. It just was clear that he didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, He even, like, he pulled me over and showed me his laptop, showed me, like, the calendar on his laptop, and was like, look, this is how I schedule my day. Like, that was going to solve my problem or something. (laughs) I was like, bro, I've used so many calendar apps. I've tried so many things. Um, Like, I was, he he was a nice doctor other than the ADHD thing. So I wasn't, like, a jerk to him. But in my head, I was like, okay, you, I'm, (laughs) putting a little note next to your name in my head. Don't talk to you about anything ADHD related because (laughs) you—that that is not your uh, area. So, But then when I was seeking out like, okay, I got to try and find like a psychiatrist or someone who specializes in in ADHD, almost everywhere I called were like, sorry, we only see kids. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was driving me crazy. Um, And yeah, that's gotten a lot better now. But yeah, like six years ago, it was so hard. I finally found like one person. Um, and she was uh, instrumental in really like helping me out and getting me my diagnosis and uh, all of that. But yeah, I was trying to, because I'm really, my personality is like very uh, research, focus. Like I find out about something I'm interested in and I I read all the books. I watch all the videos. I do all the stuff. Like I get way in and it was really hard to find stuff for ADHD back then. Uh, there was like the book that most people mentioned was called uh, driven to distraction, Hmm. um, which is a good book. I read that book and that was like a lot of light bulb moments reading that book. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so me, but it was an older book. It was written in like the eighties or maybe early nineties or something. And so some of the contents like out of date, I still think it's a really good book. And some, like when people ask me for books, I mean, well now I'll tell them to get my book. Yeah. <laughs> but other <laughs> than that, I still think this book, even though it's out of some of the information's out of date, it, I think it was uh really well written. And that was like a real foundational piece for me being able to understand because yeah, there was no TikTok then there was no, like, at least to my knowledge, there was no real like mental health influencers that were really like helping spread information and in education on stuff like this, at least particularly with ADHD. There was not a lot out there. I think, um, I take that back. There was, I believe Jessica McCabe who runs the uh, oh, yeah. YouTube channel, uh, how to ADHD that had like just started. So be- she basically like started that channel, I don't know, within months of me getting my diagnosis. So that was like, the one thing that was kind of happening out there that I was aware of. Um, And otherwise, there just kind of wasn't a lot out there. Mm. And was did you start your own
0: extra focus and refocus communities around that point?
2: So no, I actually so that was six years ago when I was consuming information and learning mostly just kind of becoming a student of my own brain. I'm like, Mm. oh, now that I know this new lens to look at my own brain, I want to learn as much about it as I can. And so I was just like learning stuff and talking with other people that had ADHD and everything like that, trying to acquire knowledge. There was a few podcasts that it not, not like there is today, but back then there was like a couple of podcasts that I had found that were talking about it. And so I was just like consuming everything I could find to learn more about ADHD to help myself. Like that mm-hmm. was the primary goal. And then, uh, within like a year or so of, uh, me getting diagnosed, my, uh, oldest My oldest child, my daughter, she was diagnosed as well. And so that became part of it, too. I was like learning for me. And then I was also learning to like better understand my daughter as well and see how we could help her. So I was just like consuming all this, like just acquiring knowledge to become, like I said, like a student of my own brain. And then about two and a half years ago, I I don't really know why I did this, but there was a writing challenge that was called Ship 30 for 30. And this was, it's gotten a lot bigger now. At the time there was like, this is only the second iteration of it that they had done. And for whatever reason, it sounded novel. It sounded interesting to me. I was like, oh, this is this is fun. And the idea of the challenge was just like, write, uh, they called it an atomic essay, but basically like write a 500, 600 word, uh, like blog post, basically, or article every single day for 30 days. Like that was the challenge. And so when I signed up for that, I thought, well, like, well, there's a few things about ADHD I'd love to talk about that I've learned from different podcasts and things like that. And I also thought like, oh, and I can post some stuff about design and maybe some stuff about development. And I had like, I don't know, a few different areas of my life that I thought that I was going to write about. So I wrote a few different ones and pretty quickly it was like, oh, the ADHD content is really connecting. There's like, I think because this sort of challenge, like attracts like entrepreneurial type brains and entrepreneurs. Like there's a much higher percentage of them that have ADHD. I think there's a lot of people in that group that happened to have ADHD and hadn't been diagnosed yet because, you know, for, you know, plethora of reasons, <laughs> hadn't been diagnosed. And so I was getting a lot of like, um, engagement and people interested and pretty quickly it was like, oh, wow. I, this knowledge I've acquired for myself there's a lot of people that could really use this knowledge as well. And so I quick, pretty quickly pivoted and just like started focusing on writing that content. And that was actually like a week after I started that challenge was when I started the newsletter, the extra Focus newsletter, um, mostly because everyone in the group was like entrepreneur types and they basically said, start a newsletter right away I was like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Even though that the whole space was kind of new to me. And I'm so, that was one of the best decisions I've made in my life, I think that newsletter, because that's really been sort of the cornerstone that I've relied on to help me uh, continue to sort of um, create content, help people out. And it's been, and yeah, there's really been been sort of like a community that's uh, built around it, which has been amazing. And that also led to the book happening as well. So yes, that, that's been about two and a half years since I started that uh, and uh, going strong. It's been great. Mm, fantastic. And that's a big part of the work that you're doing these days.
0: How do you balance the the work that you do as a designer and a front-end dev with running the, the
2: community and writing the book? Yeah, it's, it is a difficult balance and a, a family with three kids. And yep. there's like, there's a lot going on Um, because of that. Like, I really have to make, I have to make compromises in certain ways. Like I was very excited for this book um, coming out, like really excited to build up the launch, but there's a lot of things I knew that I should have done like quote unquote should, even though that's like a negative word I don't like to use. But or, I guess I'll say there's a lot of stuff I could have done to make it an even bigger, more successful launch. Like, ideally, I would have lined up like, I don't know, like a whole bunch of podcast interviews beforehand and had them so that they all kind of came out on the same week. And there could have been more like I have a YouTube channel and I could have done like some video content around launching the book. And I hadn't haven't done any of that yet. And there's a lot of stuff I could have done, but I had to just make a choice because I don't have the time for that. I have to have time for my family and I have the full-time job. And so there was compromises that I kind of just had to make. And I actually had to make a few big ones, even just on like with the side project stuff uh, this year while I was writing the book. Because at the beginning of this year, I, I hit a point where I realized I was like, I'm doing too much stuff. And the book is the thing that, keeps getting pushed to the end of the line because there's no like i didn't go through a traditional publisher so i didn't have them like banging on the door saying where's the next draft or anything like that it was all on me and so because of that i kept pushing it back and back and then i would go months without touching it and so i was like this i need to get this book out this is like i i need to make a change and so at the time i was working uh, with somebody on an uh, on a, a habit app called Polar Habits, uh, which is a great app, and I I hope it does really well. But I basically have, we had a few conversations, and I had to leave that. I had like I had to focus on the book, and so I had to pause working on that. And so we, you know, amicably ended that situation. He's doing really great with that app still. Uh, Marat, who is like my co-founder on that. And then I had to do the same with, I had my own podcast, uh, called ADHD nerds, and that was going really well. And I think that's what made it really hard to say to pause on these things, because both of them were growing and doing really well and they were like a success. So it felt really difficult to say no to them, but there's like this there's this famous, uh, speech from Steve jobs where he's talking about apple and how they had to change stuff and they really needed to focus. And in in this in the speech, he's uh, saying, like, a lot of people think focus is about saying yes to the right things. But what focus really is, is saying no and saying no, no, no. You have to say no to all these other things so that what remains is what you can focus on. And so that's that it was really hard um, to say no to these things that I think are awesome ideas. And I was excited to be part of them and they were doing really well. But. I needed to do that, make that change because what just what my schedule is. And I'm so happy I did that um, because the book is out now. (laughs) It worked. Um, Like once I put those big things to the side, they were no longer, you know, forcing their way to the front of my to-do list. And I was able to get the book. Like when I had free time for side projects, the book was the thing that I was able to focus on, which uh, has worked out great, but it's hard to say no. I mean, especially when you have ADHD, like I yep. I want to say yes to every exciting new idea without thinking about the time it's going to take or the energy it's going to take. I'm just like, oh, this is such an opportunity. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to waste this. Um, so it's, it, it was very difficult to do, but so, 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 so worth it. Mm. Yeah, I can
0: certainly relate to, to having <laughs> to say no, and I'm still not great at doing it. Is the plan yeah. for you to be able to potentially go full time with the community and and potentially writing another book, things like that.
2: Yeah. So I, I mean, I have this, this problem. Uh, sometimes people call them like golden handcuffs where like, I love my job. I love the company I work for. Like it it's done really well for me. So I'm not like in some position where I'm like itching to get out, um, which I know some, some people have that situation where they're like, I can't wait to go do kind of my entrepreneur stuff full time so that I can get out of this job that I hate. Like, man, I love my job. I love the people I work with. I like the work that we're doing. Um, and so I have sort of this like tie to that, but clearly all this other stuff that I've been doing has like, you know, it's, it's really connected with people. It's really helping a lot of people. I see it, I seem to be good at it and I really enjoy doing it. So it definitely feels like at some point, hopefully I will move to be doing that full time. And yeah, like as far as like another book, I mean, I have I have a bunch of ideas for other books. I haven't made sort of any decisions yet, but I'm I know I'm gonna be writing another book at some point. And yeah, also like I moved the newsletter to Substack at the beginning of this year, and I kind of opened up a paid portion of the newsletter, and that's done really well for me too. So that's sort of been um, an exciting development, um, so that I can, you know, possibly build even more of like a community there. Um, And that can be sort of like one, one leg of the stool to be able to, you know, support me going full-time with all of this. So yeah, like it's, it's definitely not like not happening tomorrow or anything like that. If anyone that works with me listens to this, like I'm not on my way out, Uh but eventually I think, I think it's pretty, pretty well known that eventually probably I will move to be doing this stuff full-time when, when it makes uh, the most sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh... I definitely recommend the <laughs> Substack community
0: to everyone. I'm a paying member of it. And I, I like those, the especially the Q&A posts where other people, you'll ask a question and there's that community discussion about it. So encourage everyone oh, yeah. to support Jesse, become a, a Substack paying member. Would, <laughs> Thank you. Would you consider there's this philosophy called stair-stepping where you might not necessarily go full-time Immediately, but you could go down to part time in the day job and gradually phase
2: one out and phase one in. Would you prefer? Yeah, i clean break. I've I've heard some people to suggest that. I don't think that would be an option with the company I'm at. I could do like if I were to do something like that, it would be a like more of a lateral stair step where I would have to like do some other thing part time that's in the design world and this stuff. Whereas I don't think my company would be open to doing like a part-time option um i haven't actually asked so maybe i'm just wrong maybe there is an option for that uh because that could be beneficial but um yeah it's it's not something i'm at right now anyway so but that may be something i don't know maybe in the new year i look to readdress that and see like hey if this 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 book like it's already been like way more successful than like the launch has gone really really well i've been very excited about that So who knows what what things look like in a few months. Um, And yeah, but no thought of leaving right now, but definitely something that feels like it's an eventuality for me. Yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Right, you
0: you mentioned in terms of the rest of your time when you're not working on the book and working in your day job, you've got three kids. I imagine that doesn't (laughs) leave a lot of extra time for hobbies, but maybe
2: I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I do. So... My biggest hobby is probably video games, I, which luckily I can share that somewhat with my kids. Uh, but I, I am, have always been a big time uh, gamer, and which is pretty common, like not not universal, but it's pretty common for people with ADHD because, like, hey, video games are great; they're dopamine factories, so it's it's a great place to hang out. But um, particularly right now, I really love uh, I've. I love Bethesda uh, RPGs. They did the Fallout series and the, like Sky, the Elder Scrolls series, including Skyrim, and the new one that just came out, Starfield. Uh, I've been really excited for this one for a long time, and it it, it couldn't have come out at a worse time because I had all this stuff to do with the for the book, and so I haven't been able to put as much time into it as I want. And the time I put into it, I do feel a little guilty because I'm like I could be doing stuff for the to promote the book launch and things <laughs> like that. Um, but that's definitely, that's always been like kind of my happy place of like, if I just need to like chill out, I just need to relax, like escaping into a, a totally different world in video games um, is something I've always been a big fan of. That's, yeah, that that's always been kind of a a nice recharge for me. It's just like chill out, grab a controller, yeah, escape into another world for a while. Um, yeah, and that's always been my, my favorite place to go. Hmm. Wonderful. Let's now talk about your morning routine. What what do you do in the morning? <laughs> yeah, so I my morning routine is in shambles. Um, <laughs> I I'll, I'll say so another thing that is common for people with ADHD is something called a delayed sleep phase syndrome and what that means basically, you know, it's kind of like what it sounds like your sleep phase is basically kind of delayed a few hours, like anywhere from like a couple hours to like 4 or 5 hours. And so I've always had that my whole life. I haven't actually been diagnosed, but it's clear to me that I have this thing. And some studies have shown pretty crazy numbers, like something like more than 75% of people with ADHD suffer from this delayed sleep phase syndrome, which is a wild stat, like 75%. seems so uh, crazy. But because of that, I've always had a real difficult time uh, going to bed on time. So I'll stay up until like, 2 a.m 3 a.m a lot of nights uh which again when i talked about like loving my pizza delivery job like that's a big reason why you can stay up till three four in the morning and it doesn't matter because like you're up that late driving and then you don't have to get up the next day until like noon uh it worked out perfect for my schedule but now that i have you know like a quote unquote real job um like sleeping in till noon is not really an option anymore so my mornings I, I, because I stay up so late, my mornings are usually not like, I don't have a great routine. I am it's pretty frantic, like rush to do the shower, do all the morning stuff and then get, get my coffee. I got to have my coffee in the morning and then get to work. And so I work, I work at home with like a home office, which is nice because the commute is really short. Um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of uh, my morning routine is not necessarily one I would uh, recommend. And it's something I've tried to change before. Like I've tried to do the thing of like, well, just wake up at five, like wake up at 5 a.m. or just like sit up at 5 a.m. and then like different techniques like people have suggested or just like get coffee and then drink that first thing and then do your morning routine. And nothing I've ever tried has ever really helped. And part of it is just because I have such a hard time getting to sleep on time that I'm just, I never feel rested enough until like, you know, 8.30, 9, 9.30 sometimes. So. Yeah. That seems a bit brutal to try and wake up at 5.00 AM unless you've <laughs> been able yeah. to go to sleep really early.
0: I, right. I do it quite often, but I, I don't think I have delayed sleep face syndrome. I'm able normally to get to sleep at around 9.30. Oh you know, man. That's I've, I've yeah. super common. And Mm -hmm. very, very hard to deal with if you can't get to sleep until a bit later. So how about you go into your home office? How do you optimize your productivity during that time?
2: Yeah. So I I've done a few different things, like one habit that I'm actually trying to get back into that I used to do a lot. Um, and this was recommended by, I can't remember the name of a book. There's an older book by a designer, um, whose name was uh, Hillman Curtis. Um, I can't remember the name of the book. It was was like 20 years ago, I read his book and he talked about his morning routine basically being like watching movie trailers. And that's kind of been something I've adopted as well, which sounds kind of weird. But like when you work in like a creative space, like watching a movie trailer, it's such a really interesting um, art form of like telling a story in like this in two minutes using clips from this two hour thing. And so it's almost just like a way of, getting inspiration from a a medium that is not my own. Like I'm not doing, I've done video work before, but like my main job is not doing any video stuff and I'm not like really doing storytelling, but by kind of analyzing this medium that isn't my own, I find that it often inspires other stuff that I'm doing, just sort of like, it's there's sort of like this strange cross promotion, kind of cross connection sort of thing that happens. And that's a practice I want to get back to doing because I used to do that a lot and I found it very helpful. I would always find myself inspired by things. And it was a sort of thing where I knew that I was like, I watched this trailer and then that caused me to design the website this way. But if I showed someone the trailer and told them that they'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. There's no connection between these two things. But for me, it was just something like that was something that would inspire um, just sort of like Divergent thinking um, and able to kind of make connections that would uh, help kind of and part of it might be just kind of creating that novelty, creating something interesting to tie to the work that I'm doing and seeing like, is there a way to write this code in a way that somehow in my brain connects to this interesting trailer I just saw or whatever. Um, so that's, that's definitely a practice I'm hoping to get back into doing, um, and getting away from the practice of just like ch- checking social media, which is not a good, uh, uh startup routine. Mm. Yeah. And that
0: ties in well with your book as well, cause you, you've got the four C's of motivation and that the creativity aspect of it probably feeds in well, that was one of my big takeaways that often when I'm writing code, one of the things I hate doing is writing unit tests. And I think mm-hmm. that's the realization I've had that I can actually make it a lot more fun for me if I put in funny test data, or have some <laughs> kind of a, a reference to pop culture or current political mm-hmm. philosophy in there. Do you want to right, tell right. the audience about the the four C's because that was one of the the big things in your book?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's great. I you know it's funny you mention that. I do that. Same sort of thing with my code, like adding in Star Wars references or whatever it is to just sort of like make it a little bit more novel, a little bit more interesting, particularly for like that kind of data that's yeah, like tests and stuff like that. That's not very fun to work on. Um, Yeah. So the four C's of motivation, it's it's based on a concept that uh, Dr. William Dodson has talked about, who's sort of like one of those well-known doctors in the ADHD community. And so he calls, he says basically that most neurotypical people are motivated by three things primarily. And obviously there's more to it, but pri- but primarily most people are um, motivated by importance. And that's either something important to them or important to a boss or whatever it is, like that importance of a task or a project. Um, and then the other two are rewards and consequences. And when you think of those that like importance, rewards, consequences, that's how most productivity advice works it's like trying to utilize those three pieces like how can you make yourself aware of what's most important like maybe doing like that quadrant of like important urgent or whatever or there's like like setting up ways to get rewards for yourself or setting up negative consequences all that sort of stuff like that's how most productivity advice is built using that model but ac- according to dr william dodson and i agree people with adhd aren't really motivated by those very much. Like we, instead we have what he calls an interest-based nervous system. And so we are, um, motivated by four other factors. And let me see if I remember them. Right. I, I came up, well, I'll just say, so I call it the four C's of motivation. Cause that helps me remember what those four things are. So it's just captivate, create, compete and complete. And what those mean, like captivate is things that are interesting, things that, uh, you know, grab our attention that like for me, like when I was uh, like video games or something that I'm interested in or like maybe it's like a video game I really like and then I find out there's a book about it. Like, oh, I'm interested in that. And so I'm motivated to read that book or interested in like when I was younger, I would make like fan websites for video games I enjoyed. And that was easy work to do because I was really interested in the topic. Um, So that's captivate. The second one is create. And this is all about creativity and novelty. That's like something like not necessarily interesting, but it's fresh and new or creative. And that sort of engages my brain as well. That's another way I can motivate myself to get stuff done. Uh, The third one is compete. And this one is different for different people. Some people hear this one and they're like, oh, that doesn't motivate me at all. And it's all about like competition and like challenge. And it's all about kind of finding that that sweet spot, that like Goldilocks zone of like, challenging enough to like drive you forward, uh, but not so challenging that you sort of shut off. And so for me, this is like, it's kind of like in school when I had a teacher that would tell me like, like at the beginning of the class, they would like say, Hey, this is a problem that no one, you know, no one in the last like few years has been able to solve this problem. And then for me I took that as that challenge and I'm like okay well I'm not doing anything else all I'm going to focus on is beating that one thing you said was impossible like that challenge excites my brain and really motivates me to take something on um and then the fourth one so that was captivate create compete and the fourth one is complete and that's all about like deadlines due dates and basically creating urgency, like generating that urgency is what motivates me to move forward. So for me, the classic example is, you know, in school, I would get a big paper that I had to do and be like, okay, here's your giant paper. It's worth like 50% of your grade or whatever. And you've got three months to work on it. Uh And (laughs) you know what I did? I spent two months and 29 days avoiding it completely. And then that night before, um, then it was like, panic mode because suddenly the urgency showed up and then that that's when i got motivation even if like like i may have i knew it was important the whole time and i knew that there was going to be like negative consequences if i didn't do it and so like those you know that that importance rewards consequences like i'm aware of those they just don't provide that like energy of motivation whatever you want to call it that like excitement of the brain it just didn't work even if i tried And like, and I did this at times where I would just like sit at a desk with the paper and couldn't do it. I just couldn't get myself to do any of the work. But then the night before when it's urgency, now it's like, boom, now I can get so, I can can do like 10 times the amount of work and the amount of time that it would normally, you know, take most people I feel like, Um, because that urgency is incredibly motivating for my brain. So yeah, so those, I rely on that a lot. Like, I think you'd mentioned, like there's a bunch of strategies I have in the book And a decent portion of them rely a lot on this four C's of motivation because they're so intrinsic, I think, to motivating the ADHD brain that captivate, create, compete, complete. Mm. And it's
0: why, say, that doctor that you went to see who was trying to show you his calendar, there's a (laughs) lack of understanding of what actually works. I love the sharing tactics that actually work. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some other tactics at the end.
1: Hello there, this is Joey, I'm excited to tell you about a project I run where I help imaginative people just like you breathe life into their creative dreams. Like writing that book, or performing that stand-up comedy set. I know the first step can be daunting, I have been there many times, and have helped many people on a similar journey. If you've wondered how to bring those ideas swimming around in your head to life, get in touch will shrink the intimidating dragon of a goal into a cute little lizard of an achievable daily habit that you can do every day to get started and stay moving click on the link in the show description to get in touch
0: all right we're back and now let's talk about a habit that you'd like to remove from your from your life or that you have removed in the past
2: yeah i mean uh so many so many habits i'd like to remove from my life uh But in particular, I think one, you know, I talked a little bit already that like difficulty with, uh, going to bed on time and how that affects my morning routine, which makes it difficult going to like, I know part of it is medical. Like I know there's this thing delayed sleep phase syndrome, but there's still, I, I, I it's, I just go to bed so late that it causes a lot of other problems. So that is one I would love to change in particular. I feel like there's this weird thing in my brain where I'll be sitting on the couch and I'm like, I know I should go to bed right now, but I just can't get that. It's like, I can't get that movement to move me up and to get off the couch. That like, just that little ounce that gets you moving. Like once I'm moving, then it's easy to do the rest of the stuff, go to bed. And I, a lot of people with ADHD have sleep difficulties. I don't usually, other than the delayed, like once I get in bed, I'm able to sleep. Okay. Um, but getting off the couch or getting from whatever I'm doing, like downstairs and going upstairs is really difficult. So I think... For me, a bad habit would just be like, I find myself like mentally avoiding it. It's not so even when I'm tired, I'm just like mentally avoiding going to bed. And I don't totally understand why that is. It's like, I feel like I'm going to waste time, even though I know how important sleep is. So I think that that would be the habit I'd like to remove. Like if I could go to bed, even, even just a couple hours, like if I could go to bed by midnight, that would be a huge improvement for me. And so that would be a big one. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I, I can
0: relate to that feeling. I, I think the times where I stay up until I'm really tired, it, I seem to lose all executive functioning. And I, I can no <laughs> yeah. longer understand that I just need to stop what I'm doing. And it's funny because I'll I'll sometimes, I don't do it anymore, but I used to often do coding projects late at night. And mm. I'd feel like I'm really in the flow. I'm making so much progress. And yeah, then the yeah. next morning I'd wake up and look at what I'd written and it's garbage. <laughs> and <I'm> just, <laughs> right. I, I was trying to solve a problem but with a brain that's half functioning, but it, it's so
2: hard for me to, to actually get out of the time blindness at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the thing with hyperfocus, like you. when you get locked in, like, it's like, I think that's the difference between, uh, hyper focus and flow. There's the, the, the idea of getting in flow, uh, which I talk a little bit about this in the book, but like flow is when like everything's clicking and you just like, you're getting everything done and it feels great. Um, you feel like you're kind of like unstoppable, but like with hyper focus, you feel more like you're just stuck. (laughs) You're like, I, you kind of feel like you're getting a bunch of stuff done, but, but pulling away feels impossible. You're like, I can't, I can't abandon this task. And I see this like with my kids and like, I think this happens probably a little bit with like with everybody, but in particularly like my kids when they're like into a video game and you're trying to like get them off and like, they feel like they cannot pull away. Um, And they're not just like, no, I really want to play a little bit more. But it's like, no, they're locked in. And I totally get that. That's how I feel a lot of times when I'm hyper-focused. Like, it feels like I can't pull away. But then once I do and I look back, I'm like, oh, that's fine. There's no reason I couldn't have stopped at some point. But I just felt in the moment like I was just like, there was like this connection from my brain to the thing that I didn't want to break that connection. Almost like I was afraid that I was going to like lose something if I ever stopped. Um, So I, yeah, definitely, definitely kind of can relate with that. Um, And it's funny how, when you look back later and it seems like obvious, like, why didn't I just stop? Or like you you were saying like that, it was not even good code. Like what was I doing? (laughs) But in the moment, it's so hard to get that perspective. You're just like locked in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then the next question is related to that in terms of
0: switching off at night. You said you don't really have any sleep difficulties. Is there anything magical that you do to help you get to sleep? Or you, you just, once you're ready to go to bed, you'll just drop into bed and fall asleep right away.
2: Yeah, the difficulties for me are getting into the getting off the couch, getting upstairs into the bedroom. Once I get into bed, I usually don't have too much trouble. I mean, that's not totally true. Now, now that I think about it, I do sometimes. I'll listen to like I'll put on like you know like lightning sound you know or like thunder sounds and headphones and stuff like that. So I sleep with headphones a lot. Sometimes I'll do like like ASMR or like one of those apps that do like sleep sounds. So that helps a lot. That's I almost don't even think of it because it's such. I've been doing that for decades, like I always put in headphones when I go to bed. And so that's just one of those things. That's like part of my routine going to sleep. And that works really well for me. Hmm. I might have to try that at times where there's a lot of background noise. I haven't ever tried thunder sounds. (laughs) That's that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Thunder sound like it can't be too extreme. Like you don't want it to like, you know, awaken you more, but like that kind of low rumbling thunder sound like that oh that's my happy place right there that's there's actually i live so i live in washington state near seattle and sometimes we'll have these like huge rolling thunderstorms that happen in this area and that is that is my favorite time of year just (laughs) like we have like a in our we have a front front room with a big giant open window and i love just like chilling there on a good thunderstorm night that's the best (laughs) Hmm. wonderful
0: last couple of questions in terms of resources you'd recommend you talked about driven to distraction and also polar habits the app as well as your own book is there anything else Mm -hmm. that you would recommend in terms of your favorite books philosophies sensory toys or apps
2: yeah so uh, I also mentioned the how to ADHD channel by Jessica McCabe that I think is one of the best resources there is for people with ADHD Uh, There's also there's another ADHD creator that um, that I'm friends with, uh, Danny Donovan, and she is awesome. She has um, a book called The Anti-Planner, and it's just like this giant. What does she call it? It's like like almost like a productivity strategy uh, spell book. It's this like giant book that's fully illustrated. It's expensive to print and hard to get. So like it like half the time when you go to check it's out of stock but if you can get a copy of it it's an awesome awesome book I highly recommend ton of it's, it's like all strategies and they're all really great and creative and novel like it really lines up with the four C's uh philosophy so those are a couple of big ones I'd recommend um I do I think I might have mentioned with the sleeping oh maybe I didn't but uh I use brain FM a lot and I know there's a lot of apps that do sort of like Focus sounds um, like this. Uh, Endel is another one. But for whatever reason, Brain fm the sounds that they choose or whatever has really uh, worked well for me. Um, and there's like, there's, uh, yeah, there's a million other apps too that I try to get to. And like, I have a giant list of like, check this out and check this out and check this out. And I've been meaning to do it, but everything's been kind of on pause as I'm like, gotta say no because i gotta do this book <laughs> so i'm excited now that the book is out uh there's a lot of those that i'm going to go back and be checking out but yeah those are a few of the ones that i would recommend
0: and then where can people connect
2: with you it's the
0: the website the Substack community the best place to go
2: yeah so the the newsletter is extrafocus.com and then the the book is extrafocusbook.com so they kind of have the same name um and that's that's the best place to go so the The first one being the newsletter where kind of the community is and people, yeah, people join And there's like subsec has kind of like a chat function and stuff like that. And then also, uh, my username, ADHD, Jesse, I kind of use that everywhere. There's so many different social media platforms out there, but on almost all of them, my username is just ADHD, Jesse. Wonderful. Do you have any final words or asks for the audience? Uh, no, I mean, get the book, uh, get the book. <laughs> um, I do think I've gotten really great feedback from the book and I think it's, uh, I'm really excited for it because, uh, as I mentioned that doctor that was not helpful, um, that I saw early on in my journey, uh, what I wish he had done was given me a book, like the book I've written, like something like, here's that getting started guide. This is like the basics of like, what does it mean to have ADHD? Uh, what, is, how, how can you like better understand how your brain works and use strategies that weren't designed for this importance, rewards, consequences, but strategies that were actually designed to work for the ADHD brain. And so I'm i I'm so excited it's done because I have this resource now that I can point people to, um, cause I, you know, I write a lot of like kind of jokey memes about, uh, ADHD online. And I have a lot of people that reply and will say something like, okay, Too many of these have sounded like me. What do I do now? Like, where, where do I go to find out more? And so I'm really excited to finally have this, like, in addition to the newsletter, this additional great resource of like, just read this book. This is really a great starting point for anyone. I think that is like just finding out that maybe they have ADHD or they had a, maybe they were diagnosed as a kid, but they never learned anything about it. Like this is a great place for uh, you to get started knowing what is actually going on with adhd so yeah completely agree it's a great book jesse thanks, thanks so for much. coming on the show absolutely this is uh this is a great time thank you so much for having me
0: thanks for tuning into this episode of the focus and chill podcast to listen to other episodes jump onto podcast.focusbear.io if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit email us at team at otherwise stay focused stay chilled and peace out